the most successful founders already have one skill, not a ton of skills, but they have one thing that they are incredibly good at. And then they also had a really strong support system. If you don't have one of those things, it's really tough. How do you create an unshakable business? I crossed $100 million in net worth by the age of 28. Now I'm growing acquisition.com into a billion dollar portfolio. In this podcast, I share the lessons I've learned in scaling big businesses and helping our portfolio companies do the same. Buckle up and let's build. What you guys have is so rare. And I wish everybody has an opportunity to find this where the other person only wants to see you in your best light, to never to feel intimidated by your success, by, by your beauty or by your fortune, whatever it is, that they're just, please be more of you because more of you is what I love. And then for the other person to feel the exact same way, it's always something's off. I'm jealous. I'm envious. I feel guilty. And you guys do this. And it's when you see that and you see the ascent of both you and how much you've achieved in such a short period of time, it makes perfect sense. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I think from a behavior standpoint, the more autonomous the person, the more freedom they need to have in a relationship whether it be in a job or in a partnership or friendship. And if I want autonomy, then why would, it's almost like, um, I think a lot of people wish for a partner that they can control, but also that has all the attractive features of somebody who's autonomous. And you can't have both. Because when people feel like they can control their partner, because maybe they're a little less something than them, it gives a feeling of security. But I've just never wanted that. And I've always wanted someone to feel like when they're with me, they can be completely themselves and I can be completely myself. And that we are together, not because we feel like we have to be, but because my life is better with you. It would be great on its own, but with you in it, I like it more, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. Business stuff, if you don't mind. Yeah. And branding. <laughs> I, I heard a staggering figure when he said this on stage and it, the, the hilarious thing is it's, it's way crazier than this number now. I think he said that you guys spent like $20,000 a month on your media content branding stuff. And then I told somebody else like, Chris, you monkey, they don't spend that. They spend this. What is the current number that you both spend individually on media and content? I think in total, it fluctuates anywhere between 80000 and 130000 a month. And Each. No, in total. In total, okay. Uh, and then that's without like travel and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so let's say it's let's, for round numbers, $50,000 each. Sure. Okay, that's, you guys do the math. I think that's $600,000 a year, that list. Is that right? 600000 Yeah, $600,000 a year, which is more than what most people make in, in, in a year. And you guys are spending so much money. You're shrewd business people. What is it that you're getting by investing so much. And I think you guys keep saying, we're gonna double quadruple down on this because it's working. What is it that you're getting? Can you tell us the tangibles and the intangibles? When we first started making content, there's I think two reasons, which was one, we just wish we had documented sooner what we were doing in Gym Launch. And we felt like it would have been really helpful for people. You know, right when we were selling Gym Launch, I was like, man, you know, I saw Alex started making more general content for people that didn't have gyms. And then I was like, you know, I, I wish, because people always ask me this question. They always say, what woman, woman have you looked up to in business? And I always blink because I don't have one. Um, it's always been men. And so I've always been like, 
damn, like you can't be that for other people unless they know who the fuck you are, right? And I know there's a lot of like 19, 20 year old girls out there who like looking for a woman to look up to and like, I make it my mission to like be worthy of somebody's uh, admiration. But you can't do that unless you put content out there. So I think that's half of it. The other half is I see no world in which anything I want to build in the future wouldn't benefit from people from having a brand personally. And if I can learn how to build a brand personally, I think I can also learn how to build a business brand, to build many other brands. Because I think a lot of people look at the brand and they say, wow, it's so valuable, their personal brand. But the formula for building the brand is actually more valuable in my opinion. And so it was something I felt was worthy of understanding because even in business prior, it's like I understood paid ads, outbound, email marketing, um, affiliate marketing, you know, it's like referral marketing. Like I understand all of that and how to do it, but I've never understood brand. And so we said when we started, when we sold our companies, we were like, whatever we do next, I think we should start a brand. It required us to make a decision that we would also give up a lot of privacy, which I think we both really liked at that point. It was a very different life we had. We lived in like a big house in a suburban neighborhood, you know, didn't make content, like didn't leave our house much, didn't do much social stuff. And our life is completely different now. Um, and so I think how it's changed my life has been, I think, a net positive because I think that it's made it for me specifically, not Alex, um, my ability to build a team is so much easier because now when people go in the interview process, they can go watch all my content. I get people who are much more... Uh, that have shared values with me much earlier than before. Whereas before I would have to vet people out much more on the interview side. Now they vet themselves out by watching my content. That's the first piece. The second piece is that, you know, Alex was the face of gym launch. And so people always thought I was like his secretary. And so people would come because they wanted to work for Alex and then be like, oh, Layla runs everything. Like I report to her. And I was like, oh my God. And so it's been really helpful in that there's a, I think a more balanced culture and team because there's some people who like were attracted to Alex and some that were attracted to Layla. I think that makes a much stronger team because like we balance each other out. Therefore, the team balances each other out. I would say from a business standpoint, um, deals come to us rather than us going to go get deals. And if we do want to pursue a deal, um, like approach them, they answer because they know our brand or one of our names. Uh, same with talent. Uh, if I can't necessarily, if maybe the person isn't coming to me that I'm looking for, it's a very specific skill set. If I reach out to them, they answer. And so it's made a lot of things much easier to do when it comes to business. It's made a lot of, I would say like being on social media more positive because you can see the impact you have on people and getting to run into people and them telling you like how much you've changed their life. Like that's really cool. Um, I would say on the other side, I have, uh, a very large lack of privacy now. And I don't feel like I can leave my house without seeing somebody who's seen me on the internet, who like snaps a picture, uh, especially if I'm with Alex because he wears like a costume, you know. Um, you know, we, we probably get stopped six to eight times every time we go on a walk. Um, my, I think it's made me, I would say in many ways, become a better person because you realize that like, you can't afford to be in a bad mood. Uh, one, we now have an in-person headquarters. Like I can't afford to be a bad mood in front of my team. Poor Jason probably sees it more than anybody. Um, but, you know, me and Alex, I might be in a bad mood or him in a bad mood when we're out just at the mall or at the grocery store on a walk. And then you run into somebody and they just want to like, this is their one time they meet you. 
and you're like pissed the fuck off about something, I have just learned to just completely turn it off. Just forget whatever's happening with me and just be like, they deserve better. And so I think it's had a lot of net benefits for me. Um, I think sometimes I miss like being able to walk out of my house and not like, you know, be like looking like hit as and someone take a picture. Um, Cause sometimes that happens and I'm like, you want a picture of me in my pajamas? I was walking to CVS, you know? Um, but I think it's overshadowed by the benefit. And I think more than anything, it's like getting to see people avoid the mistakes that I made while building a business, while navigating my way through my early life. Like, that's the coolest part. Because um, all the rest of it, like, there's also, I mean, our businesses could work in different ways. We wouldn't have to have a brand. But like, I think it's cool to see the impact. And I think the only reason somebody should even pursue it is if they want to have an impact. Otherwise, and they have to mean it. Because again, I know a lot of people who will have a brand and then they start getting the notoriety, but then they start losing the privacy and losing the autonomy. And they're like, this sucks. I hate this. Um, and I can see how somebody might feel that way some days. That's why I think you have to be really serious about what you want in life. And I think after we built Gym Launch and sold those businesses and we're like, it was a monetary success in my opinion, like a large monetary success, but it didn't feel like an impact success to me. On an industry, many would say yes. But I was like, I want to have a bigger impact than that. And I think that's what the content allows us to do while also benefiting us from a business standpoint. I don't think I'm alone in saying this. I think it'd be cool for you to be out there with no makeup, with curls on and in your, your sweaty pants and a stain on the shirt. I think that'd be super cool. That'd be a Layla <laughs> I love as well. I'm just saying. So if you wanted to go to the CBS run, I think it's pretty cool. And somebody's like, look, she's so real. Look at her. To be fair, I do. I just, you know, wear sunglasses. And, and then I, they're like, hey, and I'm like, you recognize me? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I can tell it to you. Let's talk about the costume. Again, okay, everything is in alignment, except for the way the two of you see style and fashion. And I will say this to Alex when he's here. It's like, bro, I don't get it. I just totally do not get it. It's the strangest vibe. And then here you are all put together, top to bottom. It's a total style mismatch. How do you guys... How does that work in your world? I'm just curious. Alex really likes to be functional. And yeah. by the way, when I say costume, uh, I call it his costume because he literally wears the same thing every day. If he doesn't wear that, people don't recognize him nearly as much. Um, but if he wears that, he's always recognized. So I'm like, it's a, it's a costume almost now. Um, he's always been just function. Like the guy is very, like when he wants something to be the certain way, I mean, it, we probably have in the house currently... 55 pairs of shoes that he's tried. Uh, we've probably thrown away 150, 200 pairs from the last year uh, because he's like, I got to get the perfect shoe. Uh, same with pants and shorts. Like, got to get the perfect short. I want them to be versatile. I want to be able to go to a wedding, go to a pool, get into a restaurant, work out, go to sleep. And I'm like, that's gross. Um, <laughs> how about you take a shower? No. Uh, <laughs> Stay in your half of the bed. Yeah. Oh, 100%. He's just always prioritized function. I, I would assume it's probably also because you know, many, like Alex went to uh, private schools and he had to wear uniforms. And so I would also imagine it's like, it's probably, I mean, if you do that your whole life or you wear the same thing or you never have to think about an outfit, you probably see that it's beneficial. And so I, I've thought about that. I'm like, I wonder if that's where it comes from too because you never have to worry about your wearing. Um, for me, I have always, and I still don't feel like I'm like, I've nailed down anything when it comes to style, but I've just found like what you wear clothing wise as it's just fun for me. 
almost. So like, it's not that I'm always dressed up because I'm not. Sometimes I come to the office, I'm just in workout clothes and whatever, or like sweatpants. But like, I like dressing up. And I think part of it is also that in the last few years, I finally realized that I'm not 220 pounds. And I also am like, I'm proud of like staying in shape and like looking nice. And like, I for so long wanted to wear things that looked awful on me. And so I think there's a sense of uh, freedom in choosing clothing and seeing something that's cute and then putting it on, it's still looking cute rather than like looking like you're busting out a bag. Um, and so I think that's part of why I like dressing a certain way. There's nothing like deeply that I'm deeply attached to. I mean, I might go a week with like not dressing up at all. I might go a week with dressing up every day. I just do what I feel like. And I think it's it's just fun for me. I, that's literally, I think it's just turned into a little bit of a hobby and like fun. It's just understanding, also just probably understanding the world of fashion, getting to talk to fashion designers, getting to speak to people who uh, design clothing, uh, come out with like, you know, some of the top people in the industry, getting to understand the intent behind it. It's much more interesting. So I'm going to throw a tough question at you now. Um, how would you describe your personal brand in seven words or less? It doesn't have to be a complete sentence, just like, I'm just curious how you see yourself and your personal brand. A little weird. Well-spoken for the most part. You could say masculine, powerful energy at times. Um, authentic. Quirky. Business. Simplicity. Yeah. You mentioned weird a couple of times. And now I'm dying. I have to open that door what's what's the weird stuff oh i mean like i'll like watch the vlog footage and i'm like what um i have a lot of i'm very expressive and have a lot of mannerisms when i am just like on a daily basis and so when i'm watching the vlog footage and i like i make weird voices like constantly fluxing my voice different <laughs> yeah he knows uh to like play different characters you know when i speak of my dad i'm like i saw my dad the other day and he was like sweetie when i was talking to you like I do that all the time. Does that um, sound like that? I mean, he's a little nasally, so he's okay. like, oh, I just love you so much. Like, I just do that all day, every day. Okay. And so when they do the vlog footage, not like a direct-to-camera or an interview like this, I see it and I'm like, oh my God, I am not. <laughs> like, if I were watching this, I'd, I mean, I told Alex, I was like, I'm like, how big is my viewer base? Because I watch myself and I'm like, well, weird. Because um, I just, I don't know. I get it from my family, like my both my father and my mother, actually very expressive, like huge facial expressions, large mannerisms. It's something that I've probably been like self-conscious of when I was younger. But then as I got older, I've learned to like it about myself because it makes you unique. Um, but I do think it's like quirky because I would say it's like a lot of women would probably not make such ugly faces. Um, like I can make some hideous faces and I do it all the time. And poor Alex experiences it on a daily basis consistently. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, how are you still married to me? Okay. I have a question for you. What is your book going to be called? And what is, what is it about? I would love to write a book in like 15 years. And I want the title to be Know Your Place. And I want it to be about just building a business and how to build a business. But I want to f with everybody by making the title Know Your Place so they think it's about being a woman. 
that's it. Okay. I've talked about it with Alex a few yeah. times. Um, but it would be, you know, building a business from the ground up uh, to over a billion dollars. Like, that's the book I want to write. Why, why 15 years? Why so long? Time right now. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I mean, realistically, I've had a lot of people approach me, like, wanting to, publishers, like, they want to ghostwrite. What I, I do not want to put anything out there that's written by a ghostwriter. Um, I tried that with content for a little while, and, like, I just... It's nothing on like ghostwriting in general. Like I, it works for some people, but for me, it's like I've just realized I want more things to sound more like me. And if I wrote a book, like especially my first book, I want it to be something that I write. And I want it to be when I built something that's been a billion dollars. That's the marker then when you do a billion. So you're setting the marker at less than 15 years. Yeah. I mean, it could be way less, but it's also like you have to, it has to, the business has to be worth a billion. And then also I have to decide I want to write the book. <laughs> So I just assume in the next 15 years. Talking about financial goals, I don't know what the exact number is. I, mean, I think there's a theory that it's like if you, once you make like say $35 million, from 35 to 100 to whatever, it doesn't matter because we don't know how to spend that kind of money anyways, right? So for you guys to work towards that billion dollars, what is the, the drive besides playing the game? And the game is fun to play, but is there something bigger than hitting that number? Bigger? No, I think... You know, when me and Alex, there's probably days where we go around like, does it even matter to be that to get to that and this and that? And I'm like, well, I don't know what else I'm going to do until I die. And I would just like to I would really like to find out what it takes to do that. And I think it's just curiosity. It's like, I really want to know what it takes. I would love for that to be the story is that I was able to do that. I feel like because I also am not going to do it in a way that's gross. I'm not going to do it in a way that doesn't benefit others. I'm going to do it in a way that benefits everybody around me, that makes people better, you know, that makes everyone that works for me better, people that I interact with, our partners, um, everyone that watches our content. So I think for me, it's thinking like, I want to do it in a way that is so opposite of how most do. Because I think most people do it by stepping on others and making other people's lives worse who interact with them. Um, especially private equity, like people who buy businesses, they usually just like the businesses are after and they, everyone that works there hates it. The people who sold it are like, well, at least I got the money. And, you know, they just financially bloat the company with debt and then, you know, just let it maintain until it dies one day. I just like to do everything the opposite of that. And that is what sounds cool to me. And then the billion is just because then people will listen and realize that you don't have to do everything the traditional way. And there is a way to build a company in where it benefits everybody and you can truly have a place where people love to work and love to partner with your company and like all around it's a win for everybody. That's what's cool to me is like the process of doing it. And I think I don't ever want to preach how I do stuff until I have the credibility to get behind it. And I think right now, you know, obviously we have like the $100 million offers and all that. So it's like businesses that are of that size and below. but. I would really love to set a standard for a much larger industry that's in the billions because those are people who have a lot of influence over the market. And that's really incentivizing to me. And yeah, I, I mean, that's really the reason why I picked that number. I mean, it's honestly, it's also like the nat next natural sequence from where we've been. So, I mean, that makes sense to me. Um, and I'm sure after that, it's like, all right, now it's 10 billion, 20 billion, 30, whatever. Um, or maybe I changed my mind. I want to live on an island, drink mojitos all day. I have no idea, but I don't think so. Fast forward, you hit that number. Is there anything you want to splurge on, like to, to buy that you can't already buy today? That you're like, hey, 
I did it. Now I'm going to spend this money in this really fun way. Because Gary, Gary talks about, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, I want to make this money so I can buy the Jets. And it's this thing because he's obsessed since a child, right? And I think I want to make my money so I can go buy an art school and just convert it and make it like not free, but like super cheap and affordable. So that's, that's what I want to do. So what would you spend your money on? There's two things. There's one from a more charitable side, which is like, we would love to be able to start a school. You know, like we're about making real business education available to everybody. And I think the best place to do that is with younger populations. So like, I think both Alex and I have like a soft spot for teenagers and, you know, people, they're not yet into college, but they're in high school. It's like, would love to create a school where they can learn the real shit we're teaching. Um, so that's on the charitable side. On the selfish side, I would like a mega yacht. <laughs> How big is a mega yacht, you think? A mega yacht is big enough that you can fit another yacht and a plane <laughs> on it. I love that. Do you like yeah. the ocean? Yeah, I do. I really like boats. Um, and I also feel like, you know, it's funny, it's like people buy planes. They're like, wow, if you plan, I'm like, oh my God, you can buy a plane for cheap. I could buy two planes tomorrow. But like a mega yacht, you got to have some few money to do that. So I like that. Like if, if I can have that in a school, I've made it. I read somewhere um, that you had invested, I think, in three companies and got them to 120 million ish in revenue. This this blows my mind. This speaks about your chops as a CEO, as an operator. You know how to make businesses make more money. So I, I'm thinking, like, what is it that they don't know that you know? What is it that you get them to do that gets them to that next level? Can you distill down like the top three things? Well, I would say part of it is in who we pick. So picking founders who have an unfair advantage. I would say that the most successful founders already have one skill, not a ton of skills, but they have one thing that they are not world-class at, but incredibly good at, and they can be world-class at. And you can see that potential in somebody, you know, and you can feel it and you can see it in the work because usually it's the engine for the company is like that one skill they have that's like crazy good. It's not just like, oh, like everybody else in the industry. It's like, they stand out. That's the first thing is that all of those people had that. And then they also had uh, a really strong support system. So I would say you have a very talented one or two founders who have you know, crazy unique skill sets that are advantageous for the business. And then they have supportive family and partners with them. If you don't have one of those things, it's really tough because you can have a team of three founders that are like all like good at something and they could get a business that does like 10, 15 million. But if they don't have, if they're not in a great market with a great skill set, it's going to be tough. And on the other side, if you have a really talented person and they don't have a good support system, they often are their own demise. They sabotage themselves. You know, they... I would like success is a double-edged sword and the thing that they're really good at, they usually also have these huge deficits and they have nobody to cover them. And so I think those two things have been traits in the founders that we've looked for. Um, I do feel like we got really lucky with a couple of those companies, uh, to be fair, like I, I really do because it's not like every company we invest in like skyrockets and like I don't want people to think that because I'm like, if you act like an idiot, nothing I can do. I'm not there every day. It's those two things and then what we do is I mean, the thing that's interesting is that we have Alex and I and then our whole team. It's like we have Alex and I who are strategists that have complementary skills. 
And then we have our team who are strategists in each of their functions, marketing, sales, product, tech, customer success, people, whatever. And so we basically, whatever the constraint of the business is, whatever the reason it's not growing faster is, then we will just attack that first. And it's always different. It's always changing. And we just make sure that we have somebody that's on it and we know what that constraint is. And so it's really a question of asking yourself, like, especially when a business is small, like a lot of them were when they came to us, it's like, okay, well, there might be seven things that are broken. Which one, if fixed, provides us with the highest return? That's it. And so it's like, cool, let's start there. And let's not try and do six at once. Let's start there. Let's do it this quarter. And the next quarter, we'll take on another. And most people, if they took that approach, would get way more done in a year than they take by like, ah, oh, we got to solve all seven right now. It's like, cool, you're going to like move each of them an inch rather than completing each. So that's a lot of the approach that we take. I will say that um, each company is different. So, you know, one company we took on, I would say that a lot of our changes were strategic and they were very skilled operationally and didn't need a ton of help scaling the infrastructure to as, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people versus, you know, another company, we barely made any strategy changes and they needed all the help with the infrastructure. We built all the teams out. And so it's just whatever the business needs. And I think we just understand business well enough to know like, what good looks like. So it's like, all right, we know. And if we don't know something, I at least have a network where I can bring somebody else in who does. And that's a huge advantage. It's like, somebody's like, hey, we've got this Python code. So I don't know that. I will bring in my friend who I know is an expert in Python though, and he will look at it, you know? And it's also like, if we don't know something, and if we don't know a business, we don't invest in it. God, you know, there's so many businesses that want to partner with us. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know the first thing about this. They get on, they explain their business. I'm like, I don't even know what he just said. And I'm like, yeah, we can't invest in this business. I have no idea. Um, and so we always take on industries that we understand and that we have that our skills translate over to. So it sounds to me like if I'm, I'm hearing this, your ability to pick winners because of your experience and knowing what the key ingredients are that you can't invest in. Like once you have that, then we can help you. That's critical. And then it depends on if they need a strategic point of view or they need technical infrastructure help, then you can come in, you can help them solve that, right? Yeah. But I will say, like, I think it sounds much more glamorous than it is. There's a lot of companies that, I mean, I made a decision a quarter ago and I was like, I'm getting rid of the bottom three. And I was like, I'm cutting them. Like, we're just going to, we're going to divest because it'd been a year, a year and a half, two years. And those were investments where we did not take controlling interest because that's what we did for most of the time up until recently. Um, like about three quarters ago, we changed to taking majority. And I could not, you know, we could not move things forward because of the person leading the company. And then if the person leading the company, we can't move things forward. If they won't let us bring in somebody from the outside to move things forward, it's tough. And so, I mean, I take that on to mine. That's my bad. Like I didn't pick right. You know what I mean? And so that's a real thing. And I think a lot of people also don't know in most private equity, in like port, there's portfolio theory, which is like, so 80 to 90% of your portfolio, like revenue and profit comes from the top one to three companies in smaller portfolios. So it's like, how many companies do you have that are just like, they just never, the market changes, the founder becomes distracted, you know, the product never is able to get that good, competitor comes to market. It's all the same. It's not like because Alex and Layla touch it, it's magic. And I hate dealing with that. Shit. And that was honestly, that was a order for me having to like be like yeah bye and they're like seriously i thought you're gonna help me and i'm like but you actually don't have the capability to do this and i have now realized that 
And I suck for not having realized it sooner. That sucks. I hate it. It's literally, Jason knows. I like come out and I like, I'm like therapy with the content team. They're like, what's wrong? I'm like, God, today had to have this conversation. I hate myself, you know? Um, But I don't want to be like normal private equity and just be like, yeah, we're just going to ride along and like cruise. And like, I'll just like take distributions and like know that you're not going anywhere. But I'll just take the money. I'm just not going to, I can't, I can't do that. It's not me. That would probably be a drag on your mental energy and your resources, right? Because like, yeah. these are not winners. Let's just cut our losses. Right. And I don't want any money from a company that isn't, you know, that I'm not able to help have an impact on. So it's just, I mean, it's different when you take controlling interest because it's on you. Like now with the companies that we have majority of, whether it's doing well or not, we got to figure out what to do. But we also have the ability to change everything at any point in time versus working through others. Very different. Um, and that's been interesting for me because, you know, I explained to you why we picked the companies and why we got lucky with that. But at the same time, it is much harder than, well, now I have this brand and this ability to recruit people that have run insane companies that are insanely talented. And if I put them against, this is real, if I put those people that I can recruit against most of the founders I speak to on the phone, who would I choose? this person. So then I'm like, all right, does it make sense that I, with every company, you know, take a minority stake and like trust that the founder is going to guide it in the right direction? There are still some companies, like even right now in some of the pipeline where like, I'm like, this founder's got it. Like, I just know, right? And I'm like, they, I would hire this person to run this company. But if I wouldn't hire the founder to run the company, then why would I partner with them and not have control? You see what I'm saying? So I've taken a different approach where it's like, there are some companies in which it makes sense, which if, if the question I can answer is like, I would confidently hire this person to run this company outside of them being the founder, then I think taking a minority interest um, can work at times. But also for how much, there's other things to factor in, which is like how much work we do, uh, how much time we spend on the businesses, you know, how much of an advantage we provide to them. And if I want to be able to like one day put my brand behind them, do I do that for like less than controlling interest? And I feel like the future goes towards no. This is super interesting. Um, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because, okay, you're saying we're pretty good, but we're not magicians. There are going to be bad bets that we make, and then there's going to be the, the, the winners that skyrocket and the ones that don't work out. Do you, do you record content around that? I don't because, in fact, I've never talked about it, just because I feel really sensitive to not talking about something. It's timing. In a year, I could make content about it, but I never want someone to watch it and be like, that was about me. I just, I've, I've had it happen. It doesn't feel good. I'm really sensitive to people's feelings. There's been like two or three vlogs that I haven't, that are, were fire vlogs. And I was like, we cannot post these maybe in like a year. And the team's like, oh, I'm like, we just can't timing. Cause so much of what I do is so like personnel focused. And it's like, I don't know. I, I'm never going to sacrifice personal relationships for content. So even if it would benefit others, it's like, it can wait. It will benefit them in a year as well. So, no, I haven't. I don't talk about investing a lot because I don't think it's relatable. Um, and I don't feel like I'm an expert yet because it's been only three years. And investments take five to 10 years to pan out often. And so, you know, I know that I'm really, I've, I am confident in my business acumen. I have a lot still to learn when it comes to investing. And I also am... There's just a lot, you know, I think that people over, they romanticize it right now. I think there's a lot of people on, you know, buying businesses and doing that. And I'm like, oh my God, come on. Like it is, it is just as is running a business. There's nothing, it's not better or worse. It's like they are equal. 
there are different sh like you have different sh on each side and so um i also don't want to talk about it because i don't want i'll tell you this i had somebody that reached out to me that uh used to be a client at, at gym launch and then they said they started their own company and i was like that's amazing what are you doing and they're like oh well i'm just i'm doing what you and alex are doing taking pages out of your book i'm taking equity in these companies and i was like and that person was one of our bottom clients. They were just really loud. And I was like, that's scary to me that you would take equity in somebody's company when you're not even good at running your own. You know, you're not an investor and you're not a business person. And so I feel like it's really irresponsible. And, you know, <laughs> I have all my years of experience in actually doing business and then uh, all of my anxiety to propel me to learn this very quickly um, that like, I don't like talking about it because it feels like it's a, it's a topic right now. And it, it honestly just grosses me out. Like it grosses me out that people think that it's cool to teach people stuff that is high risk. Like you are taking on all the liability. And by the way, if you can buy a company for no money, it's probably a piece of shit. Like if somebody sells you their company for no money, you probably don't want it. It's probably a liability. And so I see all of this stuff and I'm just like, I mean, I obviously have opinions about it, but it's, uh, I also feel like I can't speak on it because people are probably like, she just doesn't want us to do what they're doing because they've got the secrets. And I'm like, no, it's hard, dude. Like, okay. it's hard. It's kind of like um, we sold Prestige Labs, the supplement company. And then someone asked me on a podcast, they were like, would you start a supplement company again today? And I was like, never. And then all these people were like ragged on me and they were like, she just doesn't want us to make the money she made. And I was like, no. I was like, it was awful. If I, I mean, it's not a great business to get into. And so it's like, would I recommend private equity to most people just trying to make money and get into business? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely not. It is very hard. And like a lot of the people in the industry are very cutthroat that you have to be working with. And like the vendors and things, it's just very different than business. And so, um, but it's hard. I feel like it's one of those things that you talk about in the future rather than while it's happening because nobody will believe that your intentions are pure. They'll think that I'm like coming from a scarcity mindset of like thinking that, oh, they're going to scoop up all the companies or something. Like, I don't know. People say these things, though. I'm going to say this on a, from a very selfish point of view and, and maybe make a case for it. You talked about like how we learn more from our failures than from our success, that we can learn more from criticism than we can from a compliment. I didn't know that there's like these businesses that you, you invested in that didn't work out. I don't know why I just assumed that it always worked out. I would love it for you to sit there for an hour and a half. Here's what went wrong. Abstract all the names and things so that we can just learn along the side like, that's what makes you not investable, people. Don't do this. Stop doing that. Because what we see is like, oh, they put in their magic. Now it's a $100 million company. Damn it. I'm never going to be that person. But in sharing like, okay, here's where the owner did this and we just couldn't get them to change their mind, get out of their way. Because oftentimes, as you coach, I coach people. Yeah, It's like, if you could just do this one thing, get out of your own way, it would be magical and rainbows and everything. But yeah. you got to stop and they don't and they can't. You know, they're stuck and we realized it too late, right? Yeah, I would love fair. to see that. It would be such good content. I, I know your sensitivity, your your issues about ethics, but from just a very selfish, like I would learn so much by by hearing you say that and knowing next time if I want Layla and Alex to invest in me, I cannot be that person because it's going to fail and they're going to throw me out. That's that. That's I mean, not like in those yeah, yeah, words, yeah. but you know. No, that's fair. No, I understand what you're saying. I don't think it's a bad idea at all. I mean, we, probably we do. Be. I would love to. I would watch that. I binge watch that like, <laughs> all day long. Our post-mortem on why a business yeah. can succeed. Yeah. Like, here are the lessons. Here's what the entrepreneur did. You know, 
abstract the names, faces, or the or market, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or the market. That's that's a valuable lesson too. Everything should have worked, and it didn't because we couldn't see this thing coming. Yeah. I mean, the amount of businesses that I mean, even like we keep in our pipeline and keep in touch with, and then the market in the last year, they've just dissipated into almost nothing. Um, just based on like a few people that were in an unlucky market. You know, what's something that people would be surprised to learn about you? I'll start. Okay. Okay. Like I tell people I used to be into skateboarding. Like, oh, I didn't know that. Your Um, turn. I used to, I thought I wanted to be a zoologist. So I had a a ton of reptiles growing up. So I had uh, at one point, I think like multiple different lizards and uh, things. So when I was like 14, I had like a seven foot iguana, for example, Um so I've just always really liked weird animals like spiders, birds, reptiles, snakes, like all of it. Um, so a lot of people don't know that I had all of those growing up, I guess. So like people would come to my house and they were like disgusted by how many animals were in cages, if that makes sense. I'm going to ask okay. you five really simple questions. Uh, okay, One yeah. word answers. I'm really not okay? giving you what you want here. No, no, this is, I love this. Okay. Favorite fashion label brand designer. I love um, Stella McCartney and Alexander McQueen. Beautiful. Okay, he knew, he knew, <laughs> he knew. He's like McQueen. I like McQueen too. It's super expensive. I'm not <laughs> there yet. Necklace is that McQueen? Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh my god, you do know your stuff. Okay, and number two, like favorite a series to binge watch. So basic, but the Kardashians. Okay, okay, yeah. All right, uh, you, you, you know, there's new information out there. Okay, um, uh, favorite band, or one that's in heavy rotation. I know that's always hard. Like the favorite, you know. Oh my God, I don't actually know if I have bands that I listen to. Oh man, what kind of music? I listen to like really inappropriate music. So I don't. What do you I, mean? There's no such thing as inappropriate music. Uh, there... I mean, yeah. Like I would never share it because it's like people are like, what are you listening to this? You know what I mean? I think. Are you a believer? What are you talking about here? No, I just think it's uh, like very. Um, I like the beat, but like if you listen to the lyrics, it's like choke that on the floor from behind you know like and then i'm like oh my god and then like my team walks in my office they're like wait what are you listening to and i'm like i'm like i really like the rhythm <laughs> but like i don't know i just like like it playing in the okay. background and then right. alex will come in the car and he's like what the f-? you know just like that kind of stuff um okay is that like like speed metal is that when you say i don't know maybe like close to like, like tech nine like that kind of vibe. Okay. You know, just okay. like really aggressive yeah, yeah. and dark. Yeah. But like, I'm not listening to the lyrics. I'm just like, I like the pace. Okay. Tech Nine McQueen. I can, I'm certain, see a picture here. Okay. All right. Um, what's the thing that you hate the most about making content? You know, the first thing that popped up was that I have so many good comebacks to all these people that leave comments, but I'm too well mannered to leave them. Oh, you just, you just clap back. It's fun. There's the whole point of behavior. Laws of behavior, if I clap back, I reinforce them commenting. They want me to clap back. I will never give somebody what they want. But sometimes I've got such a good one. I'm like, oh, I'm going to. And then I'm like, and then I have to tell Alex. And he's like, you're. And then I'm like, okay. What is the thing that you love the most about yourself? I actually love the fact that I am willing to be completely honest. Like, like. I think a lot of people, and I know because they're people are friends of mine that make content, say like, oh, no, I'll really, I'll show like I'll I'll say anything, and it's like if I am asked it, I will tell the truth. And so I think it's actually that like I really do think I am a truth teller, and I have tried hard to do that. I think that. So I think that's what I like the most about myself. But I think that there's definitely 
times where I feel like based on the audience, how you tell the truth, I, I get nervous, you know, because like if I'm in a close room with just like our team talking about something like I'm cracking jokes, saying things that aren't appropriate, you know, riffing, swearing. And it's like, I always worry about that stuff getting taken out of context. This is super fun. Thank you for doing it was this. Great. Thank if, you for having if, me. Thank you. If people want to find out more about you, where do they go? How do they find you? I would say start with my podcast, Build with Layla Hormozy. And if you like visuals, then you can go to YouTube and just type in Layla Hormozy. And if not, you go to any other social platform and type in Layla Hormozy and you will find um, And if you want to learn about how to, if you're a beginner in business, I would say that we have a book, uh, $100 million offers and $100 million leads that you can find on acquisition.com. Um, and you can get your copies there. Right. I've read both. They're wonderful books. I'm, I'm endorsing the books right now, guys. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you, Chris. <laughs>